You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Well, this morning, friends, we hear an ultimatum. We hear an ultimatum. I don't know about you, but I don't like ultimatums. I don't like uh, conditions uh, put on me. And yet we hear it this morning in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Now, of course, I'll admit uh, this is addressed uh, historically to the people, the ancient Israelites, uh, as they're gathered around Moses, who has received the law. Um, But we know that this word extends to us too. In fact, we confess that. We said the word of the Lord, and you all responded, thanks be to God. So we're not simply tampering with uh, someone else's mail, but this is addressed to us as well. And the word this morning, the ultimatum, uh, that goes first uh, to Israel and then by extension in some measure to you and to me, it goes like this in verse 16 of chapter 30. If, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. If then, those conditions that are placed on us, if we follow the law, if we follow God's commandments, then it shall go well for us, in short. Then our life uh, shall go hunky-dory. Now, I'm not making light of God's law. Uh, As someone told me Thursday in Bible study, this stuff is important. It's paramount. Oftentimes, uh, we as Christians, we kind of throw the law out and say, oh, well, Jesus loves you. He forgives you. Don't worry about that. No, I think even as we hear uh, Jesus' words this morning in Matthew's gospel, he's ratcheting up what it means uh, to hear the law. Um, In Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus explains it's more than simply complying outwardly. It's more than simply uh, looking like you're a good person. In other words, just because you haven't killed anyone or committed adultery or uh, so on and so forth, he's saying it's the matter of your heart. It's much deeper than simply uh, checking a box and looking like a good person. He's saying if we've had anger in our heart or lust in our heart, uh, then that's just the same as committing murder or adultery. So Jesus ups the law. In fact, in the uh, previous verses in chapter 5, Jesus says he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Not a single word, not a single iota will be removed from it, but he came to fulfill it. So the law we, we recognize is a good and holy and righteous thing. And we have to admit, on some level, even though it's a hard word, uh, in our response, if you came to communion uh, here at the Advent, you hear the law and then the only appropriate response is, Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. It's the only appropriate response. The appropriate response is not rolling up your sleeves and saying, all right, let's go get them, boys. We're going to follow the law today. It's Lord, have mercy. But even in the same way, we're thankful for the law because it, uh, well, in the first case, it keeps an orderly, it keeps an orderly society. In theory, it keeps an orderly society. And so when I drive out on the road, I'm thankful for stoplights. Even though I may be cussing at one as it stops if I'm in a hurry, I'm thankful that it's there because it keeps someone from barreling into me at the intersection. If we all just followed our own way, there'd be collisions uh, more than there are at every turn. So I'm thankful. In some measure, it keeps an orderly society. Um, 
But moreover, what the law does is it diagnoses. It, it tells us who we are and it tells us what we need. Because as we hear this word, we realize we don't have it in us. It's not an impossible word, and yet empirically we know uh, original sin is operative. We know as we look out on the world and in our own lives that we don't keep God's commandments. And not just, you know, 1% of the time, you know, 99% of the time I'm good and 1% I'm off. Uh, we have to recognize that, as Jesus says, at heart level, I'm continually guilty. And so it diagnoses me. It tells me uh, how needful I am. And again, if you don't believe that, just drive on Highway 280. You'll quickly be assured that sin is operative in the world. And not just simply by how other people drive, but how the reaction in you kicks up when people cut you off in traffic. Again, original sin is alive and well. So we're diagnosed here by this harsh word. And the word comes, if we follow it, then things will go well in the general sense. But he goes on, he says, if though, this is verse 17, Again, if, but if your heart turns away and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. In other words, this is important. As society and even as individuals, as we fail to keep God's commandments, things do fall off the tracks. We recognize that. So this ultimatum comes this morning to you and to me. You know, I'm, I'm in the stage of life where I'm parenting young kids, and I'm often telling them, don't do that. Make sure you don't do that. You know, do this. It's, it's a lot of shoulds and should nots and oughts and ought nots. And hopefully over time, my parenting gets a little more grace-centered. But just by default, you know, we want to protect our children. And I remember when I was a young boy, my mom uh, was good at this, and she would tell me she was ironing her clothes or our clothes and she had placed the iron on the ironing board, uh, and before she left the room, she said, now, Jay, this is hot. If you touch it, there's the ultimatum, the, the, the conditional statement, if you touch it, then you will be burned. <laughs> Duly noted. Thank you, mother. And so she walks out of the room, and of course, I heard what she ha- said. I heard it. It was in my head. I had the knowledge of what she said, but there was something deeper in my heart drawing me to that iron. Like a mosquito drawn to a porch light, I just couldn't help myself, and I grabbed the iron. And of course, her if-then statement was surely true. If I touched it, then I would surely be burned. It happened. And of course, I'll I'll finish the story later, but uh, in any case, the if-then is true. The law is true, and the consequences therein are true. But the danger, and we know this, right? We know this from experience, and we know this from uh, Scripture, The danger, though, is if we take that as the final word, and oftentimes, again, uh, Christianity has unfortunately uh, taken this as the final word, instead of leaving out um, what you might say is the good news. Often you hear from pulpits, just be a better person, you know, give more money, uh, chase this justice issue, you know, love your neighbor, love God, and all that's true, but if that's all we have to say, and if that's all I have to say this morning, I politely invite you to leave whenever you're ready. There's nothing here for you. There is good news. There is good news despite this hard word. The good news, first and foremost, is it does diagnose us, but then we're not left without help. We're not left without help. God does not leave us nor forsake us. He leaves us not as orphans. And he has an answer for our wayward ways. But the danger in using the law in that manner is the only and final word is we beat people over the head with it. And when people go through hard times, the implicit assumption is, well, if you had been a better person, this wouldn't have happened to you. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? When people have hard times, they immediately feel condemned, even if it's not their fault. If someone has a miscarriage or a divorce or a diagnosis or a business failure, again, there may not be a one-to-one correspondence between what they've done, their sin in their life, and what happened to them. We live in a broken world and a broken society. And more often than not, tragedy befalls us even when it's not our fault. Jesus addresses this in John's gospel when there was a man who was blind from birth and the people asked, they said, well, what kind of sin did this guy commit? What happened? Why, what, did he, what did he deserve in this? How did he create this problem? Or at the very least, how did his parents sin to cause him to be blind? And Jesus says, there no, there's no answer. He didn't sin in this case and his parents didn't either. But God would make glory even in his suffering. And of course, Jesus heals the man but my point in saying all this is we can't use the law as a bludgeon to say if you if you're just are a better person, things would have gone better for you. So what is the good news then? This past week, I've, I've been playing a lot with AI, with artificial intelligence. Ben knows this because uh, I've been obsessed with this stuff, chat GPT. And I just got curious. I, I plugged in the words. I said, um, give me good news to the, to the AI. Hit send. And within you know a second, it says, Uh, The good news is COVID-19 cases are down 3% and uh, the U.S. economy added X amount of jobs last quarter and all these big national headlines. So I responded, I said, no, 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 I don't want good news from the nation or the world. I want good news for me. And Ben, this is how I know you and I still have a job uh, and that computers will not take over preachers anytime soon. What it said to me is, you're doing a great job, keep it up. (laughs) <laughs> in other words, it didn't give me good news. It, gave me, uh, it exhorted me to keep on trying harder. So, Ben, you and I will keep our jobs at least for a little bit longer. The point is, good news is not our effort. Good news is not how well we're doing or um, how, how well we can keep the law or how good of a person we are. In fact, uh, if we're being honest, uh, that is actually bad news. Because even if I'm doing well right now or today, surely I will fail. Surely I have failed and I'm even probably failing you right now. No, the good news, dear friends, is uh, Christ whispers the words, proclaims the words even, and whispers them to you and me on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So even as we go and we undoubtedly, we're attracted to touch the iron, whatever the iron is for you, there's something tempting you. There's something out there that you know better. And again, it's not a head problem. It's not a knowledge problem. It's much deeper. It's much deeper in the heart. And and God addresses this in Deuteronomy chapter 30. Uh, It's not printed in your bulletin, but in verse 6, he says as much. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. In other words, it's a heart change that has to occur. And God recognizes this. So he knows that the law itself will not produce the changes uh, that we need. It's a heart change. And so the good news is even as we are attracted to the iron and we want to touch it, whether it be money or sex or power or notoriety or whatever high we're chasing, we all touch the iron and it burns us. The good news is we don't have a God who comes in and says, I told you so, you shouldn't have done that. We have a God who did like what my mother did some 30 years ago. She came down and she said, baby, I'm so sorry that happened to you. She wrapped her arms around me. She dealt with my wounds. And I immediately knew that I was loved. I knew that I'd done wrong. I didn't need her to tell me that again. Jesus doesn't come in to remind you how awful you are. We already know that from looking at God's law. 
But he proclaims the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And even more powerfully, from the cross, he says, it is finished. And he comes in and he heals your wounds by his wounds. Not wagging his finger, not expecting more out of you, but simply saying, you are loved and you are forgiven. Let me heal you. That's the good news of all this. So the law comes and we, we hear the word, and it's a harsh word, but it's a true word. But a truer word, moreover, is that Christ came to save sinners. I do want to turn to John's gospel really quickly and read this um, from John chapter 1. So we consider the law, and we know it's holy, good, and righteous. And everything in our power, we want to believe that we can do it. But even in John's gospel, he comes right out of the gate. This is verse 16, 17, excuse me, of chapter 1. And the gospeler says this, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law is true and it's good, but it only gets us so far. And it points to our greater need, which is grace and truth in Jesus Christ, who proclaims to you today looking for good news, it is finished. You are forgiven and you are loved, not because of your merits, but because of his mercies. And for that, this morning, we give tremendous thanks. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.